Yeah, no. <laughs> that is not what she said. <laughs> now we have to have fun, which is very important. Again, to quote seven and nine, fun will commence. <laughs> yeah, she was a fun person. She had fun all over her. One, two, three, four, five, let's go! to you from the plastic microphone studios deep in the heart of Cajun country. This is Faye Five from Fans. I'm your host, Hulk Boy from Hollywood himself, Jamie Ray. And if this is your first time joining us, then welcome. And if you're a returning guest, remember what we always say, no refunds. Now, let's get started. Welcome, Podcast Universe! Today, we've got another stellar episode lighted up for you. And I've invited a returning guest to the show. She's... Mm, she's a shark expert. She is a lover of all things thinned and toothed. Toothed? Toothed? I'm talking, of course, about our own lovely T-Gen. Welcome back to the show, T-Gen. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. Is your belly full? Belly is full, ready for, uh, ready to have some fun. <laughs> oh, our lovely, lovely Tina cooked some barbecued hamburgers and some rainbow carrots, which you ate quite a bit of. I did. Very, I did. very impressive. And so you may be asking yourself, what have I invited T-Gen in here? Are we going to talk about more shark movies, shark TV shows, favorite shark families? Next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> because this podcast is all going to be about our favorite female Star Trek characters. And I've got to say, if I'm not mistaken, this was your idea. Yes. Yes. Uh, and a great idea it was, if you do say so yourself. Yeah, I'll take credit. It's, it's all good. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about why you wanted to do this episode? Well, I, I am a lifelong Trek fan. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as with any fan, you know, some series you like more than others. Uh, but across the board, if, if we're talking about uh, what Trek brings to to society and, mm -hmm. and history and stuff like that, you right. know, and even social issues and stuff, honestly, Trek has been the standard bearer for me. Right. You know, Uhura was an officer, a bridge officer in the 60s. You know, you didn't see that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, going all the way now, you know, Dr. Crusher, you know, not just a bridge officer, but openly says, yeah, I'll tell the captain no, and I will I will sit his butt down, you That's know. right, and she does. Yeah, multiple times, and, and that was the 90s. I mean, we see a lot more of that now, but it, when you look in historical context, it's it's a big difference, you know, and so uh, you know you can find a lot of girls can find a lot of heroines in Trek. There's um, a lot of heroin in Trek. Heroines. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Just want to make sure we're on the same thing. Well, you know, it's Hollywood. Maybe I don't know. Wasn't there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably more cocaine. Anyway, 
Well, that's true because there are some amazing. And, and today's topic, it stems from our shared love of the Star Trek universe. You know, the stories, the ships, the relationships, and most importantly, these characters. Um, you yourself, TGN, it, you're you're quite a powerful female archetype yourself. Aww. I'm serious, Aww. you know. Um, you're, you know, you're, you, you've got a, a degree, and you're working on your master's degree in business because you're just going to go out and take over the rest of the world. I absolutely love that. You're a great role model to other young women, especially to my young girls. Uh, well, they're not so young anymore, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> well, thank you, James. So you're the perfect person to help me discuss our favorite double X chromosome ladies. Um. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. Okay. As a lifelong Star Trek fan and a lifelong double Xer. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I had originally opened up the selection pool to all the iterations from the great bird of the galaxy himself, Mr. Gene Roddenberry. Um, even the animated series is fair game. But I've heard that you've made yourself another little distinction. And, and go ahead and explain that to us. Well, you know, if you listen to my Shark podcast, I did have a criteria. <laughs> so, and as with anything, being a very methodical person, I have a criteria for this as well. And I include all series in it. Um, but I did have a couple of filters, if you will. Mm -hmm. You know, the first is in whatever iteration, they had to either appear in at least 10 or more episodes, or they had to be a main character if it was a movie. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, also, you know, I mean, the thing about Trek is that there are so many great female characters in it and, and great actresses. I mean, you Correct. had, you know, Joan Collins was in the original series. You had Ashley Judd, Famke Jansen, Kirstie Alley, Terry Hatcher, Baby Newworth, uh, Jane Wyatt, Lee Merriweather. You've got a lot of great actors who could, you know, pull off a great role for one episode or two episodes at three. But I went for people, for women, that pulled off a great storyline or something that made either a big difference in the Trek world or I did include, because my bachelor's degree is in history, who had an historical impact. Okay, you know? okay. So that was my criteria for selecting them. Awesome. Well, I just took the ones that I liked because <laughs> I like the ladies. <laughs> but having said that, I think that's really an, an, an honorable thing for you to do. You know, and and speaking of honorable mentions, we've got some, right? Oh, yes. And if you're a first-time listener, an honorable mention is something that was really, really, really liked, but just couldn't find its place in the five, but we had to bring it up. Or it's something that was really, really bad, and you could not mention it. Yes. So if you'd like to go ahead and get started, why don't you give us your honorable mentions? Well, my first honorable mention fits both criteria. Ooh. Depending on who you talk to, they either really, really like or really, really hate. Mm -hmm. And probably 90% of the people really, really hate her. Okay. <laughs> I am talking about uh, Dr. Catherine Pulaski, Star oh. Trek Next Gen Season 2, mm -hmm. our very own female Dr. Bones. Dr. Yeah, Bones. If you yeah. will. Uh, portrayed by excellent actress Diana Muldaur. Right. Um, Actually, uh, Star Trek alum already. She was. She was in the original series, and much like they did in the 60s, 70s, and even 80s, you know, actor played two different parts in the same series. Mm -hmm. You know, they just suddenly forgot that that person had already appeared. Soap opera rules applied in this situation. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, her character was brought in and was um, honestly a carbon copy of Bones. Yeah. She was gruff. She was uh, grim. 
You know, mm-hmm. I mean, she was no nonsense. She hated the transporter. She really hated technology. Was she a lawyer? Uh, she was later in L.A. law. Was she a bricklayer? Uh, nah, damn it, she was a doctor. <laughs> you know, she. I, I don't recall her ever uttering. You know, damn it, John Luke, I'm just a doctor. I'm not a. I don't know. I'm not a transporter. She wasn't. Yeah, you know, she was, she was not, not a transporter. No, she, she or transportee. Um, but the reason why she ended up on my list, because I actually hated her character. Yeah. Okay. Because I loved, you know, the Dr. Crusher character from, you know, the first season. You get into the second season, and, and here's this woman who is a carbon copy of Bones, and it's portrayed by a brilliant actress who did exactly what the, her character was written as, a right. female Dr. Bones. For me, it didn't work. Uh, but I still think about her character. Like, there are many characters in Star Trek I have probably forgotten, mm-hmm. but I will always think about her. And it's funny, if you Google uh, Dr. Pulaski and Data, Google will pop up the second thing on there was, why was Dr. Pulaski so mean to Data? <laughs> <laughs> and that begs the question, why? Well, I just get this mental picture of a Samuel L. Jackson poster, you know, the Pulp Fiction with the gun, and say... Data, one more time. <laughs> um, and it, it drove me crazy how she treated him. But yep. it was, if you want to be perfectly honest, it was portrayed brilliantly. I didn't like it, but I will always remember it. Well, the thing about a great actor or actress is it's a person who makes you feel. I always think that. And she most definitely makes you feel. Whether it made you feel regret or resentment or hatred or whatever, she still pulled that off. And she did it for a whole season. You know, and and I always thought there should have been a time where she came back just like she was on another ship, and the two of them, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, no, never, never went back, uh, never came again. But she, that's a great choice. Yeah, you know, definitely an interesting one. Mm -hmm. Okay, I got to hear one of your honorable mentions because I know you have two, and I do too. But I want to hear one of your honorable mentions. Well. My first honorable mention, I do have two, but my first honorable mention is going to probably shock and amaze you, okay? Oh. Because I'm I'm starting out strong. Okay. My first honorable mention, as portrayed by Denise Crosby, is Yar. Yar. From The Next Generation. Yar! It's Yar! <laughs> I feel like I've been hit in the face by tar pits. You know? <laughs> I really, really loved um, the character of Yar. Now, you can also say that she was... Um, there were, there were two of her, maybe even three of her, if you think about it. But, you know, for those original uh, first two seasons, you know, she was um, she was hard while still being soft. She was aggressive while still being sometimes thoughtful about it. She put her ship and her captain above everything else. Uh, and I feel that she was, you know, a very... Um, well, of course, in that times um, that that episode where she found out that Data was fully functional, I thought she was also very attractive and very sexual. So they were able to play those. I thought without kind of reaching it off. Um, I just feel that there was not enough of her, and I know a lot of people did because if you recently listened to the Next Generation episode, you'll know that yesterday's Enterprise is my favorite episode mm-hmm. of Next Gen. Yep. And that portrayal of her was my absolute favorite. That's what, if we just had her stick around till season three or season four, that's what I think she would have, have blossomed into. But we didn't get that. We got one of the crappiest deaths <laughs> in all of the next generation. It was all wet. <laughs> it was all wet. Ugh, you know, but, um, but still, 
they were able to bring her back in yesterday's Enterprise and give her a good death and then bring her back again as Sela. So I can't really, you know, give them too much fault. One of my favorite Romulans. So next time we go into, you know, favorite, you know, aliens, I would probably put Sela on there because she was was played very, very well. Very well. well, Very well. And had so much that she could, um, that wasn't even spoken and it was there. Like she used her appearance to shock. Oh, yeah. Jean-Luc, you know, when oh, he yeah. came on, all that was just... Gives you chills, doesn't it? Does. It? <laughs> it does. It does. It was so know. well done. And speaking of well done, I bet your honorable mention number one is well done. My honorable mention holds the distinction of being in some form more Star Trek episodes than anyone else. Okay. You look very thoughtful. What I know, are you thinking? I think it's going to be... Well, I don't know if it's going to be actress or character, because... I'm thinking if it's Major Barrett. It is, but specifically as the ship's computer. As the, the as the classic 1701s? All of them. All because of Because remember this. she's next gen too. She, she was in Voyager, next gen. You know, she's in literally hundreds of episodes, video games, movies, the Probably whole nine thousands years. of ships. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I chose her because, again, I, I chose it based on how did this character affect the series okay and there's been many jokes we've all seen galaxy quest you know mm-hmm, the person mm-hmm. repeats the computer and everybody's like well you know the whole thing is kind of you know goofy this is my one job <laughs> but uh the ship's computer i mean every time the ship was about to self-destruct or something was going on you know you heard her voice this ship is about to self-destruct in 30 seconds and i mean she could have said you are about to get disemboweled in 10 seconds and it didn't sound threatening it was very matter of fact it was very well you know you just you're listening for it it's happening you know what's going on she's often often was the narrator you know as well so you you know she would explain parts of stories and you know if if that that voice isn't there something is missing and it feels wrong you know, it's, so it's one of those things that I just absolutely love that. And to be perfectly honest, in a way that has affected my life, I judge all my GPS voices <laughs> b- against her. You know, video yes. games, too. And, and, and I mean, anytime, you know, okay, we're in Louisiana. All right. So some backstory. Uh, over by Shreveport, there's an area called Bossier City. And it's, you know, spelled B-O-S-S-I-E-R. Mm-hmm. You know, Bossier. Okay. The GPS, doesn't matter if you do MapQuest, Google, whoever, it's Bossier City. <laughs> okay. Take me down to the Bossier City. Oh, my God. And it's so bad because I'm just sitting here and I'm like, you know, the ship's computer would make that no. mistake. <laughs> because she never made a mistake. She was precise, yeah. scientific. You know, so it's one of those things. I can honestly say that it would have affected the series greatly had her voice, because her voice is perfect. Mm-hmm. The pitch, everything about it, it's smooth, it's it's consistent, you know. Uh, And I'm sure we've all had movies where we listen to a narrator and we're like, ooh, like nails on a chalkboard. No, she was great. Major could do it much better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. (laughs) I've often wondered if Nurse Chapel would go in and ask the computer for something and go, hmm, she has a beautiful voice. Sounds familiar. Hmm. How do I know her? (laughs) I know that. (laughs) That's a cool pick, though. I had not thought about it, but she is most definitely a character. Yep. But she couldn't be in my five as Luxana Troy because Luxana Troy was under 10 episodes. Oh. Yep. So even though she was very entertaining, did not qualify. Really? I guess that's probably true because she was maybe in three or four in Next Gen and two 
Yeah. Okay. It ended up being something like eight uh, episodes okay. across the whole thing. So. Damn those rules. Oh, I know, right? Oh, man, man, man. <laughs> and yet I created them. <laughs> <laughs> you create your own prison. <laughs> so we've got a, a, another rule of law is you have to tell me now your second honorable mention. I will. I will tell you mine. Okay. And mine is a character who most definitely appeared in a lot of episodes and a movie. Ooh. And I'm talking about... Kate Mulgrew and her portrayal of Catherine Janeway. Janeway. Both Captain and later Admiral Janeway. Yes. yes. Um, again, a heavy, heavy hitter. Here's a woman who could be very gruff, very tough, but she still had that point where that side of her where she's like, crap, I got everybody into the. And literally, she got everyone into literally. it. Literally. Literally. <laughs> she had a chance to, to leave and bring everybody back, but she chose to stay. And Fix it. So she chose to do her duty. Yes, first. and so she put that crown on her head, and that crown is heavy. So she had all. The, she had first of all all of these dead crew members. Mm-hmm. Then she had to fill them up with people who we found out later on could not have been trusted because they were Maquis, mm-hmm. and then some that were Maquis were the ones that she ended up trusting the most. Mm-hmm. You know, and no matter what happened, um, she always dealt with it fairly. And in the best way that she could, even when she died and came back, (laughs) even when she was a slug and came back, (laughs) you know, even when she was faced with the overwhelming threat of the Borg, she found a way to win. And that's what you want your captain to do. Um, Again, I thought um, Mrs. Colombo looked really nice in this show. (laughs) I had to slip that in there somewhere. But, of course, my favorite uh, iteration of her has got to be the episode Macroism, where she and Neelix come back to the ship and everybody's missing or whatever. And she's fighting, like Ripley takes the, the oh, jacket yeah. off, ties it, gets the gun with all the, you know, the Let's grenades and stuff. Let's do this. Let's do this, you know. <laughs> and it just it, it just came down. You know, and it's, it's great to see things like Lower Decks right now, where you're seeing more of the thing. Because, you know, it's kind of hard put to think that Everything happened to just this like eight group of crew members, but still, it was kind of cool when you'd see her on her own, you yeah. know. And the interactions with Seven were also yes. awesome, you know. So, yes, great character, um, great portrayal from a great actress. So, I think if everything's correct, those are all we have. That's all of our honorable mentions. All honorable mentions have been honorably mentioned. All right, T. Jen, please program the M5 Ultimate Computer. To give us your number five. Number five. It's a lie. Number five in our hearts. Um, Captain Catherine Janeway. <laughs> <laughs> Good choice. Uh, Following my footsteps. Yeah. Slightly different reasons, okay. though. Um, you I know, would think so. Yeah. Different perspectives in watching Trek. And that's why these podcasts are so great, is that you, you can see other people's viewpoints watching the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like growing up in the same house with siblings, but, you know, one sibling becomes a lawyer and the other sibling becomes a criminal. You're just like, how did that happen? <laughs> one, one, one sibling becomes a podcaster, the other, oh, I don't know, a sniper for LAPD's life. Scratch that. <laughs> um, you know, same thing like I talked about, you know, I mean, the, the show came out in 95. It was... Uh, you know, she was a captain. She was in charge. She wasn't the damsel in distress. She could be vulnerable, but she was often, you know, 
put into very tough situations and had to make a lot of decisions that were very challenging, you know, and we got to see her thought process and how she did things. So it's a very positive female role model. And she was also very different from Picard, you know, so this is, you know, right after, you know, not right after, but, you know, pretty close after, you know, um, you know, next generation and, and everything. Well, I think Next Generation was still on for one season, one right? One season, right. right, because they had that crossover. Yeah. Right. Um, and so she has some big shoes to fill because, honestly, Next Generation, you know, revived Star Trek. Right. Um, but she had to be her own character. She was a female leader and everything like that. And and for me, the episode that encompasses – wow. Company, but she – Something like that. It, it encompasses – where Janeway and and the actress Kate Mulgrew shined was in uh, Tuvix. Oh yes, you know. So she was pressed with presented with a situation where you've got Tuvok and um, Neelix, Neelix, and they're put together in one being. But the only way she can separate them is to kill a new sentient life. Right. You know. Uh, yeah, we all know in, in Picard's world, he would have figured out a way to do all three. Because that <laughs> always worked out. Yeah. <laughs> Between Data and LaForge, we're going to get this figured out so that we save and preserve the Prime Directive. I don't care if we have to call Wesley in here. We're going to do it. <laughs> oh, shut up, Wesley. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't say anything. You know? <laughs> yeah, um, I do. You know, so, you know, she had to make a decision, and she did. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like the sound effects. <laughs> I'm curious to know what you'll do in post-production. <laughs> I'll probably leave because that was awesome. <laughs> you know, so that was a very un-Picard moment. Right. And and I think that was uh, just really fantastic what she did there. You know, and, and again, going to my standards, you know, I don't think another actress could have portrayed it the same. So, you know, when you read a lot of the stories and stuff like that, one of my favorite actresses was actually up for the role of Janeway, which is Patty Duke. Oh. Patty Duke brilliant actress oscar award winner and and i think she would have done well with the role but i'm going to be completely honest with you when i think of captain janeway i see kate mulgrew right and and i i really don't see anyone else being able to pull off the combination of of tough strong confident by the book not by the book when it was necessary you know all these things that encompasses a strong and competent leader i'm not going to say a great leader um, but but definitely one that you want to look up to as a mentor. Well, taking a slight divergence here, Genevieve Bujol, mm-hmm. how do you think she would have done had she stuck around and, and finished it? Oh, I don't know. I just, I feel like it would have, it, it's kind of like the difference between, you know, vanilla ice cream and chocolate ice cream. Both are awesome, but if you put vanilla ice cream on a pie, a la mode makes it so much better, you mm-hmm. know, but chocolate ice cream on its own still is, is very good. It's so tough to try and think about these these actresses and you know who else could have played them or or done similar roles and yeah I can't wrap my head around anyone other than yeah yeah she she did a great job she Mm -hmm. did a great job you know Um, and so Tom Wright was the guy who played Tuvix thank you yes I know I know you you were reaching for that that guy thank you thank you great Google gods Um, but he did such a great job on that episode he really did he gave her a moral dilemma that that she had no good answer for. Uh, but so she made the tough decision. But that's what that's what being captain is all about. Yeah, you know, and, and it also it also highlighted, you know, her relationship with Tuvok was so strong. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, okay, you know, do I get my friend back or this new being? Yeah. It, you know, it kind of makes you think, what would you do? Right. You know, and I agreed with the decision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you heartless. <laughs> I am. <laughs> awesome. 
Well, so talking about hard decisions and making the tough calls, no one does that better than an admiral. Uh-huh. And my favorite admiral has always been Admiral Nacheo. Nice. Yes. You know, played by Natalie Nagulich, mm-hmm. who... Um, I got to write to you and send us some stuff. I think I gave you one of those cards back, yes, too. Yes, yes, Just yes. a stellar, stellar officer. Had that big, high, tight, <laughs> blonde hair throughout almost every episode. Yes. Um, originally showed up in Chain of Command. Mm-hmm. And I think her last appearance was on Deep Space Nine uh, as that part of the two-parter with the Maquis. Right. So she was always there, always making the tough decisions. Um, you know, when she would go, like, toe-to-toe with, <laughs> you know, with Picard or, or with Cisco. Yes. You know that she was a powerful person. Oh, yeah. Not just a powerful woman, a powerful person. Person. You know, and there were, I was very, of course, Star, Star Trek's always been this way, but there were several female uh, admirals throughout the show. And I just, she's always been my favorite. Yeah. And yeah, I'll tell you, it's because she signed stuff for me because she was so nice and wrote me a little letter back. But still, I just, I just absolutely love it, you know? Um, so that would be that would be my number five choice if, if I had to make one. I think it's a good choice. I mean, I, I can I can totally see it. And again, these actors that that go across series, it allows you to see their character really flesh out yeah, uh, quite yeah. a bit. So, are you a all people are actors or are they actors and actresses? Uh, both. I don't switch. However, I'm. Oh, you both. Okay. Yeah, I go back and forth. Yeah, it's yeah. not a conscious decision. <laughs> okay. Well, I was wondering because you know maybe if your Barkley uh, protomorphosis syndrome had shown back up, then you wouldn't be able to give me your number four. But now that you seem that you're clear, I, I think am. you can give it to me. Crystal clear. Uh, my number four is, of course, Lieutenant Uhura from the oh, original series. Yeah. You know, Nichelle Nichols, uh, amazing actress, you know, just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Just um, amazing. Yeah, I mean, but here's the thing, you know, again, she was not just big in the series because she was a part of the ensemble, mm-hmm. you know. On the uh, bridge. But, I mean, socially, you know, it doesn't get any bigger than what she did. All the barriers that she broke in television. She will never get all the credit that she deserves. Right. I but, agree with you. But it's one of those things. We just, I, I, I loved watching her. You know, she was a bridge officer. So she wasn't just this communications officer. She took over the bridge right. on occasion, you know. And um, she did everything on the ship. She was even the science officer at one point. That's right. You know? That so, gold little outfit on the corporate might maneuver. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So God, I'm such a nerd. You are, but I love you for <laughs> it. <laughs> but I mean, you know, this is you know, but this is an example for children, girls specifically, to see a female scientist, a girl doing science. You know, I, I'm a child of the '80s, and I still remember teachers saying, "Girls don't do math. Girls right. don't do science." You know, and and if you you know grew up in that time period, you could say, "Oh yes, they do." Lieutenant Uhura did it. You know, right. and you can't understate that. And also being such a great actress. You know, she made she made it all good and fun, you know. So it's it's one of those things. You, I got to give her credit where credit is due. I yeah. loved her character, and it was a lot of fun. And it sounds like she was a, a big influence, especially with the science that you have in your life. Yes, most yeah, definitely. Yeah. You ever see her in Supernatural? No, I have yeah. never watched a single episode of Supernatural. No, no, no. It was a movie called Supernaturals. Oh no! It's her and Lavar Burton. Oh, I love. Yeah, I'll have to give I it for you. Favorite. I got a copy of it. Yeah, it's, they play, it's like a, an '80s, and they're um, they're all like, uh, gosh, like National Guardsmen or something, and they come across a battlefield. So like all the Johnny Rebs come up, and it's anyway. It's it's. Okay. I'll have to give it to you. It's pretty good. Pretty good. So that's a great number four. Not as good as my number four, but you know, then again, what are you going to say? 
What's your number four? So my number four only makes the list by your little filter credits because she appeared in one movie. But I think that the character appeared in more movies. So I'm getting a two for here. Okay. And my character is Savik from Star Trek 2, 3, and 4. Okay. Okay, so now it comes down to which Savik is your Savik. Is it Kirstie Alley from Star Trek 2, The Motion Picture? I mean, Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan. Listen to me, I'm stumbling. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to call you out. You, you are the head <laughs> you of the podcast. Have, you no, know? you're the head, okay? You get the, I hereby give you that right. <laughs> I might roll my eyes at you, but you know. <laughs> or is it going to be my personal favorite, Robin Curtis from Star Trek 3 and 4? Uh. Who, by the way, gives amazing hugs. Ah. She is super sweet. Yes, you're hearing it here for the first time. I love Robin Curtis. Mm-hmm. I've met her like three times. Every time I met her, she's so sweet. She loves Savik. She talks about how you know great she is and what. A, and I just think that she is one of those people who, in the first movie, I think maybe she was a little too Vulcan. And if you know anything about Savik, that's funny to say because Savik eventually is half Vulcan, half Romulan. But I think in three and four, they really let her flesh her out, you know, and she had that whole thing with Spock on the Genesis planet. And she was there when, spoiler alert, Kirk's son is killed. And I just think that she was maybe not the biggest character in those movies, but she was very important. And Robin Curtis did an amazing job with her. Kirstie Alley did a great job. I'm not going to say, I mean, she spoke Vulcan, you you know, so I mean... Cheers to her. Double bonus points. Double bonus points. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I love me some Savik. And so that is a solid number four for me. That's that's a good one. I I really like that because her either her absence or even other actors portraying those those particular um, movies that could have dramatically changed the way everything fleshed out mm-hmm. so that i think that's a very good choice jamie well thank I'm, you I, i'm very I impressed that. I, I like to think too that even though the two actresses played her differently that the the events that happened on the regular station and with the genesis planet and all of that may have changed her enough so that in the third one when she came back of course it's a different actress she came back different and was ready to, you know, play it different. You know, that's a very interesting way of putting it because I would have, I would have gravitated toward the Kirstie Alley portrayal. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way you mentioned that, because being that, you know, half Romulan, half Vulcan, she's still an emotional being to a certain extent, right. and would have to be affected by everything going on. So that, you know, that that's actually very interesting. That's a very interesting analysis. Yeah. I, I like that. And you know, there are some people who say that that she was Spock's protege, and some people that say they were more than that. And so there's actually a comic from the first DC series that's all about her. And it's it's really cool. Uh, if you ever get a chance, I'll, I'll loan it to you. But uh, and autographed by her because, you know, she's just that awesome. There you go. So, Okay, well, my Baryon Sweep is indicating high levels of your number three. So please check your readings and verify. Yes, there's high levels of whoopee in this one. Whoopee! <laughs> Not that kind of whoopee. I'm oh, talking okay, about okay. 
Guinan. Mm-hmm. Guinan in Next Gen uh, ple- appeared in 28 episodes, so I'm totally covered mm-hmm. there. Also a movie. In the movie. Yeah. Um, you, okay, so here- And possibly more episodes. Yes. Yes, I, I have I've heard those rumors. Um, she is absolutely 100% essential to the next generation. Um, unlike Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to have that conversation. <laughs> well, so think about it. She, she's the character. She is the embodiment, the physical embodiment of suspended disbelief. If there was anything going on in Next Generation that required something that they had no way to explain. Like, bing, bing, Guinan. <laughs> Guinan just feels weird. So <laughs> it must be true, you know. So from a character standpoint, I mean, it kind of seems like a cheat. I'll be honest. Every once in a while, I, even I would raise an eyebrow and in a Vulcan ear and be like, wait, what? <laughs> but the portrayal by Whoopi Goldberg was so good. She was an, just an interesting character as a listener um, and always popped up in moments when they needed to explain something that w- they couldn't explain, right. you know? And just being her character as Picard's, you know, probably confidant, you know, more so than anyone else. Mm-hmm. I always got the feeling that she knew Picard probably as well as Picard knew himself, if not maybe a little bit more, Ooh. maybe his internal motivations and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, because she's a she's a bartender. Well, yeah. bartenders you know? know everything. Everything. I mean, Isaac on the love boat knew everything. Everything. Well, yeah. So. But the best part, any interaction that she had with the Q. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that oh my god! Thing. Oh, I laugh every time. She hated the she hated the Q continuum. You know, I mean, in in one of the episodes when Q loses his uh, his power. Oh yes, know, and she talks about meeting some of them, and she's like, "Yeah, some of them are tolerable." I mean, that was throwing shade because before throwing shade was a thing. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it was like a backhanded smack, and you're down on the ground. You don't know what hit you. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that standpoint, her character was the most fun, but. You you take Guinan out of the mix, and there's a lot about Next Gen that doesn't make sense right, at, at right. key points, you know. And in fact, without her, I don't think your uh, alternate universe, Denise Crosby, happens. That's right. That's right. So so my number three has saved one of yours. I appreciate saying. that. Yeah. Right. Now, have you ever had the opportunity to read Vendetta by yes. Peter David? Yeah. Yes. Excellent book. Very Guinan-centric. Yes. Uh, and of course, Peter David's an amazing writer. You know, why he's not... Writing every script for Picard, I don't know, but <laughs> he is—he is just amazing, you know. But uh, good, good character. I will—I will voice my personal opinion about this. I loved Guinan, the character. Mm-hmm. I cannot barely tolerate Whoopi Goldberg, the oh, actress. Oh, really? Because I watch her on—I've watched her, I should say, on that show, The View, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh. But I like to think that this was one of the instances where I can separate those and say she's an amazing actress in this. She's, she does. She is that little mysticism that we don't have anywhere else. Right. Everything else is scientific, and we can explain it through. Even if we have to throw a Heisenberg compensator in it, we can still <laughs> explain it. She brings that thing that is unexplainable. Right. You know, so very, very, very powerful. You know, the unknown, I should say. But... You know what is known? Your number three? My number three. My number three is such a number three that it's a number seven. Uh, seven of nine. Oh, nicely done. Thank you. Annika Hansen, treasury adjunct of the Unimatrix Zero One, <laughs> or as I like to call her, Seven. <laughs> 
So seven of nine, um, has she first appeared um, on Scorpion mm-hmm. on you know on on Voyager, which you knew right away. Man, they can build some Borgs. But anyway, um, I I loved what that character. Now, mind you, I I, I like the attractive female. Okay, I'm not good. I'm not gonna. I'm a I'm a dude. I like them. I think they went a little overboard. I understand that she actually fainted a couple of times because they were too tight on her. Um, I've met her in person. Beautiful woman. Beautiful soul. You know, um, I was, I, I was, and this is going to tear him up. I was able to get Chuck a hug on stage from Jerry Ryan. But that's right. That was all me. Chuck owes me that. And Kevin will tell you that's exactly how the story happened. Word for word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chuck can't say anything about it right now. <laughs> He's probably screaming at the computer if he listens to this episode. But we do love it because of all of the things. I mean, she freaking fought the rock, you know? She's um, gone back in time. She's been on the holodeck. Um, she's been a little girl. And now she's in Picard. And we know that she's going to be in season two without her implants. So we've still got some seven on the road for us. Um, I think, I think, like I said, they upped the sex factor just probably to 11 where they would have been better at eight or nine. How about a seven? No, she definitely should have been an eight. <laughs> Look, see, meeting you about it's not a seven, it's not a nine, but she was an eight. <laughs> we might as well go for nine just for, you know, numerical accuracy here. But um, I, I, I do. I love the character, and I'm so happy to see that she's back now um, because I think she, her story is just so amazing. You don't get that kind of story. I mean, you know, she had her, her childhood, then she had the Borg, and then now she's back. I mean, for a while there, she was kind of a foot in each world. And uh, I thought they did a very good job of her um, and really enjoyed it. What, what do you think about her? Well, I think you can make a case that in the entire Star Trek universe, she is the most fleshed out character. Yes, she was. <laughs> Not like <laughs> that. <laughs> I resist. No, but I mean, you know, yes. we know a lot more so about her more about and she's grown so much. And, and watching her in Picard, I was just so excited because I was like, Oh my goodness, this is amazing. She has really grown as a character and she's portrayed very well by Jerry Ryan. Yes, she both is. she's in, an amazing actress. Yes, you know, in the oversexualized version in, in Voyager and then now to Picard where she's almost like, you know, Linda Hamilton in Terminator. Mm-hmm. She's just kicking butt. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> but still, again, I hate to harp on it, still looks amazing. Yeah. You know? I mean she's got those Linda Carter jeans in her, I think. That, yeah, you know, she needs to bottle that and sell that. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, there's a spatial anomaly in Quadrant 2. We're going to need to interface your number two with it to compensate. Okay, well, this number two is actually related to your number three. Ooh. My number two is the Borg Queen. Alice Creek. Yes. Oh, okay, well, I'm sorry. No, I shouldn't jump ahead of myself because there are there are two. Well, there are two. There are, there are two, two. But I'm going to go with the character in the overall portrayal by uh, Alice Krieg uh, in uh, the Star Trek movie. She did reprise her role uh, for one episode in Endgame in Voyager. Well, in two parts. Which, yeah, right. But, but the, yes. the previous three episodes have been portrayed by Susanna John. Johnson, I think. Who did a great job. She was she from did. Skinwalkers. 
Yes. Um, she's a no, great actor. Sleep, no, Sleepwalkers was Alice Creek. Alice Creek. Okay. Okay. Right. So, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, See? You just corrected me. You learned fast, girl. Oh, yeah. Well, it was a mistake. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but full disclosure for anyone who has also listened to the, the Shark podcast, I love my villains. Yes, you do. Oh, my gosh. I'm almost always on the villain side unless they do something particularly heinous or cheesy. <laughs> Those are the two things I can go. <laughs> <laughs> um, You know, she was creepy. She was in charge. Okay, I like women in charge. She was in charge. You know, she was very, very creepy her voice was perfect you know <laughs> slow deliberate a little bit deeper you know she it's absolutely terrifying she'd come up in your ear and whisper that she was gonna do something horrible and you might not realize until it's done and you're like oh well yeah i am dead now <laughs> how did that happen you know so her character was really interesting and absolutely necessary because how do you explain the board uh, i kind of looked at the board you know I don't want to say like God. So it's like God, you know, and people say, I don't believe in God. And and it's like, okay, I, I, I get that. Everyone has their own opinion, and you talk about the Bible and everything like that. But I always respond with, okay, what created the first Adam, if you believe how things evolve? What created the first Adam? You know, and that usually stumps people. Well, I'm like, what created the first Borg? I understand that the Borg exists, mm-hmm. but somebody had to create it. And uh, Brandon Braga, one of the um, – uh, uh, writers for, right, and for producers, yeah, and producers yeah. was talking about why they had a board queen because it's pretty paralyzing in Trek world. People really love it, people really hate it. Not as much as Dr. Pulaski, but it's up there. <laughs> and he's like, Well, why did we have it? And he's like, Well, because a movie uh, featuring zombie robots is kind of stupid, you got to have something that explains right. it. And he's absolutely right. If you don't have a Borg queen, it the Borg themselves don't make sense, they're just a little creepy undertone. But if you want to make them a true villain, mm-hmm. you need a great actress like her to pull it off. And, and you need an amazing first appearance, too. Oh, yeah. And when she comes down with that spine kind of twisting oh. out into that, which we got to say, into that sexualized body, which goes just a step further to show you the Borg are thinking ahead. Mm-hmm. They didn't drive to some atom, uh, you know, automaton body that would be all... No, she knew that she was going after Picard, who was a male, mm-hmm. and Data, who was a male, and she was trying to find her, quote-unquote, king. So, of course, that body's going to be hot, you know? Well, I don't know if I would even go that far. My oh, female perspective—the <laughs> <laughs> female perspective says that she was a woman who wanted to feel like a woman, and so she had the body that reflected it. You know, okay. So I that's how I would that. take that. See, I would think that it would, would that they would be so logical that it wouldn't matter. But then you have to think about the fact that yeah, she is a, a level above them, you know, with her own emotions and and desires and and everything else in between. And she was basically fighting loneliness, mm-hmm. you know. So I mean, I think most women when they you know daydream or whatever like that, and they daydream about themselves, they fashion a body that that they want. She's just the woman that had the ability to do that. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. You know, oh, I wish she could create my own body. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so that is why the board queen for me, number two favorite Star Trek female. I, I just, I, I applaud you with both, with both board receptacle hands, you know, this one's a saw and this one's like a, a, a Swiss army knife, but they're clapping for you. Yeah. You hear that tapping, tap, 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 tap. <laughs> well, my number two is also a very strong female character. And I don't mean just by her character and her portrayal. I mean, she is a strong character. I am talking about Kalar. Emissary, uh, what mother of 
Alex Mujinko, you know? I mean... You got to say it with a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when she first showed up on The Emissary, I was like, what are we into now? And Susie Plax, and of course, if you'd ever seen, you know, um, what was it, Mad About You, you know, she was on there. But when she came on, oh my God, she was extremely intelligent. She was a great delegator. She was hot. And she was a fierce warrior. She would not let Worf put one thing over her. And I absolutely fell in love with the character at that point. I was like, here is somebody that is, you know, she is going to be a major part in Worf's life. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Didn't quite work out that way. Yeah, she's one that I definitely wanted to see a lot more of. And I was very disappointed that that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Now, we did see a little bit more of Susie Plaxon as she played Dr. Selar in the, um, what was that? Measure? No, it wasn't Measure of a Man. It was the one where Data gets the beard. But <laughs> I'll just put it as that. <laughs> That's the best description of the episode. Data gets a beard. <laughs> yeah, that's right, because it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, she was, um, she, was, she was a fierce mother. You know, she was... Um, an, a, you know, a, a, a very, I guess the word's patriot, honorable Klingon. You know, she was a brilliant tactician. She, you know, again, like I said, a fierce warrior. Um, she was just, she was just amazing. And that's why she made it all the way to my number two. That's an awesome choice. That's one, probably one of the strongest female characters in all of Trekdom. I agree. I agree. Uh, so, you know, that's why I'm I'm amazing at this. <laughs> but your number one, yeah. my number one, is going to blow away your number one. Well, uh, let's just open up this bottle of Tranio, why don't we? <laughs> and pour me out a bottle, uh, uh, pour me out some of your number one. I'm going to pour you out some Dr. Beverly Crusher, next mm. gen. And I know you knew this was going to be num- my number one. Oh, you're never going to guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was the other ones I wasn't sure you were going to guess, but... <laughs> um, I mean, look, you got to love... Of Dr. Crusher. She shows up in season one with a really ugly uniform and bad hair. And she's. A stupid kid. <laughs> I, Excellently I, portrayed <laughs> by Will Wheaton. <laughs> See, I liked I, liked I did Wesley, too. I did but, too. Shut up, Wesley. Um, you know, and, she, and, and her role was very diminished, I would say, in the first season. Yes. And it wasn't fleshed out. She was just kind of, honestly, you probably could have put a cardboard cut out in a lot of things, except for a, a handful of episodes um, where she, you know, she didn't, the actress, Gates McFadden, is also a very good actress. That's one mm-hmm. thing. Trek has done a really good job of getting some really great actors oh, yeah. and actresses. And, and so, so we didn't see a whole lot of her. And then Pulaski comes by and... I think everybody realized, no, this does not work. Oh, my God, we need her back. (laughs) So she comes back, and there were some really great episodes with her, Mm -hmm. you know, where you got to see she was strong, she was independent, but she was very practical. She was also very feminine. You saw a mother figure, uh, more so than Janeway. You Mm -hmm. know, I felt she was, for me, as a woman, she was more of a female character. I saw a lot of more feminine qualities, yet she was still in charge, not afraid to tell Captain Picard, yeah, you're sitting this one out. Yeah. She rarely, 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 rarely used it. She might have threatened it a little more. Um, you know, and everyone liked Dr. Crusher. Yeah. You know, you can't really, uh, I, you know, you look at the characters and, and you know, uh, in relationships, you have up and downs with friends and family and things like that. But but Dr. Crusher was one of those people that, you know, she was the mother figure to really everybody on board. You know, and she was always taking care of people like a good doctor does. Um, and unlike previous doctors in, in Trectum, 
She was also a bridge officer, and because she took very um, took you know time and stuff like that, she would sometimes do night watch just to keep up on how right. uh, how to be a bridge officer and be in charge of of the deck and everything. And from a, a you just gotta love that, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, and she had fun. She would you know do the dancing and, and everything else like that. But you know, she's had so many great episodes where you know she kind of i don't want to say save the day but she just she always thought outside the box um the name escapes me right now but the episode with her um her great aunt sub rosa yes oh my gosh that's like Mm -hmm. one of my favorite all-time episodes in part because i believe in ghosts but that's another podcast (laughs) um but turned out to be an alien (laughs) (laughs) but turned out to be an alien who was trying to you know basically you know suck the life force from her feels like that's a ghostbusters plot right (laughs) um yeah really (laughs) But she played it. the The actress. She did. That was probably so one of well. her best performances yeah. in that episode. Yeah, and and you know, and her character just had, there was a lot more life, and you got to see. Look, I'm I'm lonely. I'm tired of being in space. Space is cold. Yes, it is. You know, and, and no and, one can hear you scream. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, so you know, all that came out in it, and that was why she was always one of my favorite um, all time science fiction characters, but definitely my number one female women of Trek. That's awesome. And and yes. I did know that was I, – I, I vastly assumed. I would have given 100 to 1 odds <laughs> because you've always talked about her, you know. And, again, she is one of these people that when you meet her, she's an incredible person. In, in real life, you know, I've seen her probably three times every time I've seen her. She's got smiles. She's taking pictures with Lily, you know. I mean, with uh, Abby. Yeah, they're starting on a merge here in the end. Uh, <laughs> but she's a great and an excellent choice. And she's an admiral and a captain of her own ship, you know, yep. in the future. So the past year. Yes. So, okay. So before we get to my number one, I would like you to tell me if you can guess of all of the things, that all the women that we've talked about. I can tell you, first of all, my number one is none of these that we've talked about. That's a given. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll go with that one. That's a safe right. bet. <laughs> she is actually no one who has come up in conversation in all of these episodes. Hmm. Can you guess who she is? Doom, 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 doom. The, the Klingon sisters? I don't know. <laughs> no, no. I am talking about that one word just wonder Lita the Dabo girl wow from Deep Space Nine really okay I am and I am going to amaze and convince you hit me why she is the best character hit me first of all she shows up in the episode um, Explorers in the Dabo girl outfit you know she's not even a performer she's a girl that works the tables mm-hmm. you know she's cute she's got the you know the boobs on display you know she's Bajoran and so you look at this character and it is obviously a throwaway character mm-hmm. okay and then Chase Masterson opens her mouth mm-hmm. and one of the most unique characters in all of Star Trek just starts to come out you find out you know uh, that she's got all she's got she's she's intelligent Mm -hmm. you know she's 
well-spoken. She has dreams of doing more. Um, she doesn't look down on people. She gives Cork what for when he deserves it. She leads <laughs> a labor dispute, you know, to get everybody unionized at Cork's. You know, just constantly, every time, every episode you see her, she is growing and growing. She is, one of the reasons I put it down here in my note, she is the single most character, female, male, whatever, in all of the series that grew the most in my eyes. Okay. Because, you know, she comes forward, um, she ends up, like when they're doing the, the uh, baseball game against the Vulcans, you know, she doesn't want to come and cheer in the field. No, her and Rom, they, they want to play, you know? <laughs> and she convinces them to give, and then she's good at it. She wanted a seat at the table. She did. And she got her seat at the table. And then she got the man that she wanted. You know, and was when when Nog was hurt in the battle, and I think it was he lost the leg or he, he had nerve damage to the leg, she was there. She wasn't his mother, but she was there to support him, even when he didn't want it. And, uh, you yes, she's an incredibly sexy woman. Okay, but that was not the part of the character that they decided to play up. They truly played up her inner beauty and her inner potential for growth. And by the time you see her at the Dogs of War, nearing the end of it, she is a force to be reckoned with. As told by her Mirror Universe version, <laughs> who is a badass. Yes, you know? yes. But, um, and then I've met Chase several times. And again, just the sweetest person she loves sci-fi you know she had that that show uh, on the sci-fi channel for a while where they talked about all things science fiction and just i just i just think she's amazing and that's why lita from deep space nine is my number one that is an interesting choice that is interesting but i but i support it yeah. I well support it's my favorite so it you is. have to i have to support yours <laughs> But off the record, what do you think of that pick? Actually, I really like it. I hadn't really, um, I hadn't really looked at her as a possibility in mine, mm -hmm. you know. And and a good pick is one where you stop and you think about it and you're like, you know what? I want to go watch a few more episodes and kind of remind myself and think, you know, what do I think about this particular character? Because yeah. I wouldn't. My first blush, no, I wouldn't have gone there. But then I'm like, oh, huh. I think he's right. <laughs> <laughs> I've convinced another one. <laughs> wow. Well, TJ, and I, I loved I always have so much fun when you come on. You always have such good picks. And there weren't as many villains this time. So, you know, I could kind of get behind you. <laughs> well, the villains in Star Trek are men, so. <laughs> That's for equality. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so next, we're going, are, do you want to do favorite aliens? Hmm. I don't want to do favorite races. Let's do favorite villains. Okay. I, yeah, yeah. Favorite I'm villains. Gonna, I'm going to write it in Sharpie right Ooh. now. We are going to do favorite yeah. Star Trek villains. Because that's like, I mean, that's just, you can you open up the can of worms oh, right there. Oh, so a uh, can of gah. <laughs> I wonder if they put that in cans. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, that's what we're going to do. So thank you. Thank you. So much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, I'd like to thank all of you out there in the podcast universe for joining us for this episode of Fave Five from Fans. You can subscribe to the show through all the places where you catch a podcast. By the time you're listening to this, we are first and foremost on Anchor FM. Thank you, Anchor. Cha-ching. Not really. <laughs> 
It would be a huge help to the show if you would subscribe and give us that all-important five-star review so other people can learn about the show. You can find us on Twitter, where we are most of the time, on Facebook, and on our webpage, www.fave5fromfans.com. So Fave 5 is a part of the Slightly Irregular Podcast Network. You can find us all at sipnet.us, on Twitter, and on Instagram. Well, guys, that's it for this episode. I want to thank our guest one last time. T-Jen, it has been an absolute pleasure. Same here. And remember, folks, it may not be the best. It may not be the most popular. But if it's your favorite, then that's good enough for us. This is Hulk Boy from Hollywood, signing off. Transfer of data is complete.